Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 131, and I'm talking with Shadrach Biwat. Shadrach was suggested to me by guests Tim and Kirsten Ritchie, who were on episode 123 of the podcast, and Shadrach finished third place at the Boston Marathon this year. We've talked a lot about the women's race in Boston, but I feel like we haven't talked too much about the men's race. At least I haven't been. So he placed third this year, and he really wasn't a dark horse because he actually placed fourth last year in 2017 in Boston, and he placed fifth at the New York City Marathon in 2016. Shadrach is sponsored by Brooks Running and Runs for the Hansons team. He has a marathon PR of 212.01 and a half marathon PR of 61.24. He lives in California with his wife and their two kids. And after talking with him on today's episode, I can honestly say he's one of the nicest people I've ever talked to on this show and in life in general. He's just got a really good heart. And I think what he'll do for you today is help you take your running a little less seriously. Clearly, the man takes himself seriously. But when he talks about the ways he trains and he talks about going out on the trails and doing a hard workout, a marathon-specific hard workout, and letting random bikers just ride up next to him and pace him, I just love that so much. And I love his mentality on the community of the sport. So great conversation with him. I know you're going to enjoy it. If you guys are enjoying this podcast, I would appreciate it so much if you would leave a rating and review on whatever podcast app you prefer to listen. It's one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. And if there's a specific episode that you're really enjoying, if you could share that on social media and tag me, that helps new listeners find us as well. All right, guys, let's go ahead and enjoy this conversation with Shadrach Biwat. All right. Well, welcome to the show, Shadrach Biwat. How are you? you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for having me. I am so excited to talk to you. Um, You placed third at the Boston Marathon this year. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I want to get into that, but let's introduce you to everybody a little bit. So you were born in Kenya and moved to the United States in high school. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so what brought your family to the United States? So actually, I moved here because my uncle lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so I had an opportunity to come to America to finish my high school. And it was one of those opportunities that it's a one in a lifetime. And so I decided to just roll with it. And so you went to high school there, and then you went and ran at Oregon? Then I I went for UNM, University of New Mexico, for one year. And then I transferred to Oregon my sophomore here. And you were an All-American there? Yes, I was. Okay, so tell us about running post-college. Where did you start your professional career? And you ran for ASICS for a long time. I did. After I graduated college, I ran for OTC, the Oregon Track Club, uh, with Mark Rowland in Eugene. And though that was for, I'll say, two years or three years. I can't even remember. Probably at least two years with them. And then after that, um, I decided to forego running track and just, um, you know, concentrate on doing road races. And um, so I decided to part ways with OTC and start just, you know, running road racing because I realized that's that would be that was the easiest way to make money compared to the track. And so um, 
I, you know, I didn't have any sponsorship at that time, so I went without a sponsorship until 20, I want to say 2014, I believe, is when I got um, sponsorship from Essex. Okay. And tell me when along that way did you meet your wife? Because you guys have two kids, five and ten, right? 11 and uh, almost six, yes. Okay. So we met We met in Oregon in one of our classes. We took, oh gosh, it's been what, it's in, uh, 2005, I believe. Okay. I can't even, I can't even remember anymore, <laughs> but we met, we met in class. You met at school, uh, okay. Yes, yes, and we just, you know, started talking, you know, just, you know, just visiting and, you know, one thing after another, and here we are been married almost 12 years now wow. two beautiful kids uh, um, yeah it's been a blessing okay so um, let's start talking about your marathoning journey because you ran your debut marathon at the LA marathon in um, you got 10th place and you ran a 220 and kind of said you don't want to do that again so tell me your experience getting into marathoning and how you kind of shifted back into, no, I really do want to do this after you had that race that was so difficult for you. Yeah, I think for me, I had really like uh, high expectations that, you know, than reality, if you know what I mean, because my brothers, they were all good runners. Um, uh, my brothers run two hours, four minutes. And so for me, I thought, oh, I could run if they can do it. My brother can do it. I should be able to do it myself as well. But I forgot, you know, that marathon is not one of those, you know, events that you just wake up and just go and do it. It takes a lot of time, you know. Sometimes your body, you know, some people are fortunate that they can just transition to marathon and do very well. But for me, it took me, God, I don't know how long. Um, at least I want to say six marathons, maybe, just to kind of, really understand and that my body allow you know accepting taking the training that it takes to really do very well in marathon so that LA race was I didn't you know I didn't know what I was doing for training you know um it was miserable it was raining it was just you know I, you know honestly it's just I think I you know I didn't train well I didn't know what I was getting into and I just yeah I got under to me by the distance so it was a good wake-up call so where does your brother where do your brothers run like they're your brother that ran a 204 where does he compete so he's retired now but he ran it in 2009 at the Rotterdam marathon okay um yeah but they all live back in Kenya yeah 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 so they yes. all live your whole family lives in Kenya that's correct how often do you get to see them I try to go every year. Sometimes it might, might be two years. You know, it depends with just the scheduling, you know, and just, um, yeah. So at least I try to go once a year. Have you taken year. your kids over yet? So my son, the oldest one, we took him there a few years ago. My daughter, she hasn't been there um, when she was uh, from two years old to about four years old. She... Our health issues wouldn't allow us to take her to Kenya at that time. And so we wanted to wait until she was um, health-wise good to go. And so I think this December is when we're planning to go and visit. Oh, cool. The whole family. Yes. Let's get into the marathoning thing because 
Um, and training because you said you didn't know what you were doing when you ran the 220 at LA. So what were you doing though? Looking back, were you, were you not running enough miles? Like, I mean, obviously it was your first marathon, but what did your training look like then? I think, you know, with marathon, it has to be, you know, consistent is everything. So, um, yeah, I was training, but I wasn't doing the right mileage. I wasn't doing the right training. So it was just uh, piece and pieces all over the place. So it wasn't really, the training wasn't adding up to really make sense to go and race. But um, I didn't know, I didn't know that at that time. I thought I was just doing, you know, a good training. And, you know, obviously, obviously the, the results showed otherwise, um, which is okay. You know, we learn every day is a learning experience and, I'm fortunate, you know, that I, I can look back and see how far I've come and be like, oh, you know, I, when I tell people, I said, be patient with it, just do the training and just let your body get used to running a lot of miles. And if you stick with it longer, things will turn around. Yeah. And so in 2017, you placed fourth at Boston, but you that's, placed fifth at the New York City Marathon in 2016. So that, that's correct. The fourth place finish at Boston kind of like put you back on the map to regain sponsorship. Um, but did you feel like you kind of learned a lot from that New York race, like with confidence and everything? Yeah. You know, going into New York marathon, I changed things a little bit before that I used to run too hard all the time. And then, mm -hmm. um, I realized it wasn't yielding any results. And so I kind of restructured my training from, from uh, ground up and just decided to run easy days or easy. And then a couple of times a week, just run, you know, hard, but not too hard. Mm. And I realized by so doing one thing, I was able to stay healthy. And the, uh, mm. the second thing I was able to do a big volume of, you know, which, which is critical for marathon. And after that I run well and I realized, wow, I guess it is true. Running easy is the best way to run fast. You know, it took me a while to grasp, you know, grasp that theory that it, in order to run fast, you got to run easy. Um, and then I just took that and uh, replicated that for Boston the following year. And the results showed that, oh, I guess I'm heading the right way. And then I'm fortunate that that kind of really, you know, turned things around for me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's people don't seem to understand that concept. I mean, I think we're talking about it more and more now, but professional runners, everyday runners, I mean, I feel like you just see people running too fast a lot. And volume, if your body can handle the volume, seems to be the answer. So tell everybody, what what kind of pace do you run on, like an easy 10-mile Tuesday run? So, um, again, I just want to make sure that, you know, nobody's taking this. Uh, we, You know, we're all different. Yeah, for yeah, me, yeah. Uh, and for me, I run, I run really slow. Sometimes even people wonder <laughs> how, how I run fast while I run slow. So my easy days is like around, you know, seven to seven thirty pace. Uh huh. Uh, and th that is most of my runs, honestly, except the days that I'm doing a session or something, or if I'm doing a long run that I need to pick it up a little bit at the end. Uh, so those are the only exceptions. The other days is just easy run, seven seven thirty pace, and just be at there for. If it's ten ten miles, I can run one hour thirty minutes. I mean, if I you know I really like just just 
yeah, one hour twenty, one hour thirty minutes. It doesn't. I don't really uh, uh, try to be. Um, I guess uh, be be like. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Like too serious with those paces uh-huh. of these days. Yeah. You just kind of do what your body feels natural to do. Exactly. You know, I've come a long way to understand that my body is the best friend that I have and the best coach that I have. And if I can listen to my body, then everything should be okay. Now, how do you translate that to confidence, though? Because I think that that's what a lot of people struggle with. You know, like they go out to run a marathon and, you know, say their goal is to run three hours, you know, just like just under seven minute pace. But then I think they struggle because they're like, but most of my runs I did at 830, you know, mile pace. So how do you translate that? Because, you know, your workouts, you know, paid off. Yeah. So so it's one of those things that you have to be okay with, you know, believing and understanding that, you know, it's okay to run slow. You know, there's few workouts. As long as you're running the workouts at the at the right pace that you've done before, and then you have few workouts, you know, few key workouts that you could go and run and try to run. You know, let's say I don't know, for instance, let's say 10 miles at 4:50 pace. And if I can do that, you know, and feeling that my average is not very high and I feel pretty good, then I know I'm ready. So those few workouts that you know that I do maybe like, I don't know, I'd say out of the whole training block, maybe four to five workouts that I really like, you know, test, you know, to see how my body is responding. Cause, and again, like I know my body so well that, you know, that I'm, you know, I'm confident going into a race that I've done these workouts and it felt easy. And, you know, and just, I guess, I guess just believing in your training is also the big thing. Um, I know it's it's sometimes a little scary to just, you know, think, oh, I've been running seven-minute pace, but I need to run 4.55 <laughs> pace, 4.54 to five-minute pace. Uh, I don't know. But, but, but the point is, like, you know, you have – and it's honestly, it's not even just, like, five workouts. It's the whole, you know, <clears throat> four months of training that you train – and you do these workouts, you know, and, you know, you, you can feel your body getting, you know, efficient and you're running a little bit faster each time. And all that put together just should give somebody a confidence that, you know, they're ready to go. And that's how that's how that's how I gain my confidence. Just having the right coaches and believing in my coaches that, you know, they say do this and I just do it. Um, it's, it's key. You got to believe in your coach. Otherwise, it doesn't. Believe in your coach and believe on your training. Otherwise, it doesn't really, you know, it's, it doesn't add up. You know, you go into the race and if somebody make a move, you you know, you're all over the place. You don't even know whether to go, uh, what to do. It's like you just, you know, like a deer with, you know, uh, on a, you know, with the headlights on, you, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So give us an example of what one of those key workouts looks like. I think with, you know, with the Hansons, we do... Two times six miles. Okay. And that is three weeks before the marathon. And normally we run that at about five seconds faster than goal pace. So if the goal pace is five minutes, for instance, then we run them at 4.55. The goal pace is to try to run 4.56, 4.57. We try to run those at about 
you know, 450 to 452. Um, and, and this is like with about, what, three, three weeks before. So you've done a whole chunk of training. Your body's fatigued, you know, and you go and do that workout. And if you can nail that, then that's it right there. You know you're ready to go. Okay, so what's your rest between the two sets of six? So we normally run a mile in between. Okay, like an just, easy mile? Yeah, an easy mile, you know, like uh, six minute to um, six thirty pace, you know. Okay, so like yeah. an easy but honest mile, like you're not slogging, slogging yeah. around. No, we just we just try to keep the intensity just going a little bit because that's the best way to teach your body to use the lactic acid that you build running anyway. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you um, – in after Boston in 2017, that's when you started training with the Hansons uh, Brooks yeah, team. That's so um, you ran Boston in 2017 unsponsored, so from that's January to April, no sponsor. Yes. yes. And so when you finished fourth, um, I loved what you said afterwards that you know, like the field was deep and there were guys out there that had run 202 or 205, but you kind of talked about how that doesn't really mean a lot in Boston and that the key in Boston is to run smart and believe in yourself. And yeah. Can you just kind of speak on that a little bit and why that's so important to that course? I think, you know, courses like Boston or New York time usually doesn't mean anything. Uh, Most I've known most of the, you know, the Kenyans and the Ethiopians. um, That's why they run two or threes, you know, two or fours because they have, you know, they're so used to having a rabbit, a pacemaker, in front of them, and they could sustain a high pace almost through the entire course. Uh, but for New York and, and, and uh, Boston, you don't, speed doesn't, you, you know, it, since they don't have pacemakers in these races, so I think most people forget to try to train to be really strong because you need to be really strong. You need to be able to, to deal with the paces when it's undulating, you know, because in Boston you run some miles really quick and some miles, you know, like five minutes, five, ten, and then you go four, forty-five. So the pace yo-yo is all over the place. And so for me, we train in those type of environment, you know. Uh, we do some few miles fast and few miles slow and just doing that for, you know, from the beginning of the training block, uh, like 12 weeks of doing that, you go into the race and you know, like, no matter, because they, you know, no matter how fast they run, you can still be able to do that. But most, you know, again, I'm just speaking uh, for most of the Kenyans that I know, these guys, they know just to, you know, step on the gas and just Mm. run fast. But, you know, when they go to Boston, they don't know what to do because the pace is, a little bit faster, not even faster, fast enough that they, you know, they can do any damage to anyone for a mile, and then they stop, and you know, it's like, it's all over the place. And so for me, in those races, I know that I have a better chance than those guys who've run two or three or two or four or two or five or two or six, you know, because I can, I've done those type of training. You know, I've run workouts that I run fast, slow, fast, slow, and I've done a chunk of miles. You know, that it makes me so strong that when I go in a race, it doesn't really affect me that much. So going into Boston in 2018, you weren't really a dark horse anymore because you got fourth place the year before. 
So yes. yeah. How did you, how did you train for the 2018 race differently from 2017? I mean, I know we'll talk about the weather and everything, but yeah. um, just before, uh, you know, all those weather predictions were happening, like what did you do differently in 2018 than 2017 since you're with the Hansons brothers now? Yeah. I'm so fortunate to have, you know, coach Kevin and coach Keith, um, I mean, in my opinion, they're the best coaches on the planet. They've known that you need to run more miles, but a little bit slower. They knew this long time before, you know, before even, you know, that's why most of, you know, Desi ran very well every time she goes to Boston because they train specifically for that course. Like Boston, we do downhill runs. Um, because Boston is mostly downhill. Most coaches, you know, again, I'm just speculating that, you know, maybe they have, they, 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 they forget that aspect of the race and they just train for hills or flat. But in Boston, you know, where, where it gets a lot of people is the downhill. So if you, if you don't train to get your body used to pounding, then when you go to Boston, it's halfway to 20 miles, your legs are just all gone you have nothing left and you know you get in trouble that way but for us we really did a lot of those downhill you know just marathon boston specific training um and i did the most mileage i've ever done because in order to do well you have to be stronger so we did i ran 140 miles for um, i think like four to five weeks straight um and you know <laughs> Granted, I was tired at the end of those training cycle that I just like, I had to ask my coach to kind of take it easy on me. And we, you know, cut our mileage a little bit to 120 and I felt great. So, Well, and you took a, like a smaller taper, didn't you? Yes, it's amazing. You know, it's one of those things that it doesn't make sense, but it makes a lot of sense once okay. you buy into it. Tell, it, tell us how it makes sense, because I want to hear about that. Because think about it this way, um, we do workouts every single, maybe twice a week, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we do these workouts, you know, we run great workouts. When you think about it, it's not like you really taper, really. It's not like you cut your mileage into half. You continue running those days leading into that workout. So why change that going into a big race? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so, so that is the mentality, you know, you slow, if you've been running 140 miles and then the week of the race, you're running 80 miles a week, that feels like nothing. Cause you've been running so high mileage that when you, you know, when you go and run, you know, 70 or 75 or 80 mile a week, it feels like you're not doing anything, but you're still keeping the body and the mind in the same, same condition that you've been doing. Um, and for me, I'll speak for myself this time around, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was, I felt amazing. I was just waiting for that, you know, cause the problem with tapering, sometimes you have little, uh, little niggle comes around, you know, your shin, your armstring, you know, little things come up, comes up, you know, because you cut your mileage a lot and you're not running as much. So your body gets confused what's going on. Um, but with the ensigns, I never experienced that. I was just like, oh my God, 
<laughs> I feel amazing, you know. Monday we did a little warm up in the morning before the race, and I was just like, "Well, this could only mean one thing, you know. I'm I'm fit. I know I know I'm fit for sure. Um, it's just sky's the limit, and I just went with that, and just you know the results, you know, speaks volume. Um, yeah, it's one of those things that that you know it doesn't make sense, but it makes sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. Well, and two, it's all relative to what you're training. I mean, you're, you were running 140 miles a week. Like that's really high mileage. So to cut back to 80, that's significant cutback. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, honestly, seriously, I was running, you know, like 10 miles, maybe like, you know, um, double. And I kept, you know, we kept this routine going. We'd run like maybe eight miles and then four miles in the afternoon uh, until about Thursday. Then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we just run one runs, but we're still running like eight to ten miles. But then on Sunday, I ran, I think it was like eight miles or so. So we kind of kept just the body used to the same thing we do every day. Because um, the, the the one thing, you know, I know for a fact is when you cut your mileage too much, then your body tends to get lethargic and then you're just like, okay, what, what's going on? What you know, <laughs> then Little things that wasn't even there start acting out and you know that can mess up with you know your mind and so i'm so i'm so fortunate i have uh, uh the best guys in the business they know how to um the first time when i joined them i was like oh my god i can't believe i'm running this much mileage live alone <laughs> running a lot of mileage that one week before the marathon but they you know they assure me that it's gonna be okay and you know i'm a type of guy that you know once i decide to walk with somebody i kind of just put my trust on them and I, you know, I always tell them, you know, just tell me what to do and, you know, I'll do it, you know, and they assure me that it's going to be okay not to worry about it. And so it, we worked out well. So how many miles did you warm up that morning? For, uh, honestly, I, yeah, I didn't, I usually, I read like maybe, oh my God, mm-hmm. maybe a mile and a half. Was it already Seriously, raining it was like, and cold? Yeah, it was raining and cold, but even before that, I usually don't like running too much warm-up, especially for the marathon. I try to use that. I try to use the first six miles of the race to kind of like as my warm-up type of thing. But but the problem with, you know, I guess the problem with that is you got to be prepared to feel a little rusty in the first six miles, you know. <laughs> you feel like your body's like, you feel like you're running so fast but you're not really, or you might be running fast, but your body's not quite ready to go. And then after that, it's just, you know, a sweet spot. And you just, you know, and that, again, I'm speaking for myself in that. I'm giving that, you know, that's just all me. I don't know what other people feel, but for me, because I don't run a lot of warm-up, you know, a mile and a half is not very long. But for me, I just, you know, run easy for a mile and a half and then just relax and just use the first couple miles of the marathon as a, as a warm-up, so. So, yeah, the, the first, like, 10K, you're kind of feeling a little bit rusty before you get into oh, it. Oh, gosh, it, it's the worst <laughs> out yeah. of the marathon. Do you think, like, how am I going to get there? It's 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 a little scary, but I'm fortunate I've done it, you know, several times that I know it's okay. Um, or even doing workouts, um, you know, I usually don't do a lot of, you know, I just, you know, I don't do strides or anything like that or drills. I just little warm up and then just, you know, 
use the workout uh, as kind of like the first, you know, I thought of a workout as a warm punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may not be a good habit, but I don't know. You know, again, I don't want somebody to take that and say, oh, maybe I should do this. <laughs> no, 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 no. I tell people you. to just, yes, keep doing what you've been doing. Don't change anything come race weekend or a week before. Just whatever you've been doing, you keep doing that. Don't change too much because, you know, it's it's a recipe for disaster sometimes. So going into Boston this year, you um, once you guys heard about how the weather was going to be, um, yes. did you think that, did you kind of think that might have put you at a little bit of an advantage beforehand? And did you think, I'm going to let this uh, work to my favor if I can? You know, the funny thing about because we, you know, we went uh, to Orlando, Florida to train for heat training that never really materialized, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, and and people, you could ask my friend, I I despise running in rain. Um, <laughs> but for like the last 10 days, my coach, I mean, I can't thank them enough. Um, I mean, seriously, they every day we would talk about it, and, you know, he would assure me that we've done the best training we've ever done. Um, it doesn't matter what the condition is. We're ready to go. Just, just have fun and, you know, don't worry about it. Just once one mile at a time, just do the best you can to kind of tug behind people and just relax. Don't let it get to you. Cause the problem is, I mean, it was, it was miserable. So that can really put a lot of people in trouble cause you're just frustrated with the winds and this and that. And so my coaches, they were amazing to just say, Hey, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a little, you know, um, crappy at some part, some part of the, of the course. So just, just know that from the get go and just, you know, roll with it. There's nothing you can do. And so, um, I mean, <laughs> they did the best job that anybody could have asked for. You ran a 218.35. I actually got, I saw you run by, I was on Boylston street. And no kidding. Yeah, and it it was the weirdest experience for me. Um, I felt like everybody around me didn't really know who, and I was, you know, I was looking at the women running too, expecting to see like Molly and you know yes. after De- after Des and all that, like all those girls and all these women were coming by that we didn't recognize, and and then the men started flooding in, and you know Yuki came in, and it was just the weirdest experience for Boston. I felt like a lot of people cheering around me were like parents of everyday runners, so they didn't know who any of the professionals were any. Anyway, um, but I did see you go by and you knew you were in third place, but you, did you not, you didn't know how close to second you actually were, did you? My goodness. Up to this day, I can't believe I, you know, at that point I was so out of it, um, that I could, I couldn't even tell who was in front of me. I remember passing Edna Kiblagat, uh, going over the bridge. Um, before you make a right turn on, what's that street left? Hereford. Uh, right Hereford. on Arford, yeah. And then I saw uh, Shalane in front of me, and then I saw some other women. But so I couldn't even discern whether, you know, you know, the second place was a guy or, or you know, I thought it was another Kenyan woman just running. And so mm-hmm. I just, at that point, I was just like, I know I'm in third place. There's no way I'm catching, you know, Kawauchi. I thought. Uh, 
Joffrey had won the race. That's that's what I thought. I was like, what's the point to try to sprint, you know, to the finish line? You know, it, the time is out of the window. So I just kind of course through the, the the finish line, and I was so confused when I got there. I saw Joffrey walking, and I was like, that's very strange. Why he's still here all this time? You know. So I was so confused, and then I was told that he was just right in front of you, and I was like. <laughs> But but I look at it this way, you know, sometimes, um, you know, I take everything that I do, I appreciate it to the fullest. So meaning that, you know, I'm okay with being third place at the Boston Marathon. I could be, I could have been second place, but could have really never cut it because I didn't. So I just, I just, I just learned through that and realize, I tell myself next time, you know, especially was the especially marathon. The last part of the race, in the last couple of miles, honestly, you're so out of it, you don't even know what is going on around you. You know, you you just you just running. And so, for me, the big lesson I learned was to always just keep running as hard as I can, I, I can through the finish line. Mm. And whatever place that would be, then that would be great. Because you know, in Boston, if I because I was, yeah, granted, I was feeling, you know, I was getting tired. Everybody was tired. Everybody was sure. miserable. But I could have, you know, I still have some energy in me that I could still, if I needed to, if I knew that was him, I'm 100% sure that I could have got, I could have got him. But again, oh, well, another day, right? Yeah, it's I mean, it sounds like everybody was confused. I mean, you know, I I interviewed the second and third place women and it sounds like, you know, they didn't know you knew you were in third. They didn't even know they were in second or third place until after they finished and they were just pure, purely confused. confused. Yeah, Yeah. it was tough. It was I mean, that Boston 2018 humbled everybody. And I think. Um, especially got most of those guys who run really, really fast. Because for them, it felt like they were climbing a mountain. They're working mm. so hard that then, then people, you know, that, you know, people like myself, I knew like, no, oh, this is okay. You know, I was content to just run whatever the pace is. I didn't even care what pace we were running. But for them, because they were just so in tune to running so fast that, the condition kind of got into them and they started just throwing the towel. Yeah. So what do you think that was? Because we've heard of people talk about this a lot, like that the percentage of elite runners that dropped from the field compared to just your everyday runners was huge. So like, what do you think kept a guy like you from getting hypothermic and so sick? What kept you from not getting to that point and being able to finish so strong in the conditions? You know, I, I, I'm not going to say, I mean, I was, I, put, I, I finished and I was shaking for about 30 minutes. So, but, but I was fortunate that my coaches did the very best job. I remember a night before my coaches, they came into my room and they had all this, um, the Boston Marathon course. And in every 5K uh, segment, they would tell me, okay, this is what the wind is going to be doing. You need to be around here. This next 5K, the wind are coming from this other side. It's going to be a little bit more rain. So they kind of really like 
show me what was going to happen in the race before even I got into the race. And so I was more prepared that, you know, before even the condition got worse, I knew, okay, anytime now it's going to get miserable. So I was already prepared and I'd accepted that it's going to be tough. And so I just told myself from the get-go, Shadrach, be the toughest out there today. Just the past getting, you know, weak or giving in to the, to the conditions out there. Just, just tug in, hide as much as you can, and just follow people and just relax as much as as, as you can. And I think that is that's what really got me going. And because I was relaxed, you know, I was I was I had accepted that you know it's going to be miserable. Basically, that's what <laughs> happens. Yeah. So you um, you talked about to your coaches how they kind of said like you you really can't be alone. So like if that means dropping a four forty five mile, even though you're not really in shape to run four forty five miles, like get back up with with the yes. pack. And you yes. did that. Oh my god, I'm so for see see my coaches. Uh, these guys are smart, and I mean seriously, like, and they pay attention to every little detail that most coaches would just feel like eh, neglect. For them, they were, they were six mile mark, and they know me very well. That you know, they've always known. I'm like, oh, we coach. The first six miles is usually the worst part mm, for me, and mm-hmm. so they made sure that they were there at six mile Aww. mark to just kind of tell you know, you know, call my name, and I always tell them just call my name until I, you know, I make sure I look at you. So they're always screaming, and you know, if I don't look at them, they keep screaming, and you know, and, you know, they're two brothers, so one is usually, you know, like at six mile mark and the other one is like maybe at six and 6.1 or 6.2 just in case i didn't hear one of them he would relay that message to the other guy to make sure that you know they get my attention and at six mile mark i was just i mean these guys were running like oh my goodness (laughs) we ran so hard and i was just like oh my god there's no way i'm feeling terrible i'm feeling I'm working so hard and it's only six miles. And so I had to let them go a little bit because I was just like, I can't, you know, I can't, there's no way. And lo and behold, they were there. And, you know, as soon as he called my name, I looked at him and he said, get back out there, whatever it takes. You know, even if you have to run 445 to get back to the group, do that. It's going to help you because you don't want to be in this you know, my coaches sometimes, you know, they'll tell like it is, you don't want to be in this miserable, you know, using the, uh-huh. uh, the you know, you know, words that I can't say <laughs> right now. But you need to get back out there and get back there. And so I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, gosh, I guess I have to. And I just kind of take a big, you know, deep breath. And I just started sprinting because I, gra- <clears throat> I grabbed my water, my sports drink at 10K. And I was like, okay, so long as I have my sports drink, I'm not even going to try to drink it right now. I'm just going to carry it with me, run until I make sure I've got contact with the leading group. Then I can start drinking it. And so I just ran with it and just I kept running. And the other guy see me, the second guy you saw me running, you know, my other coach. Oh, Shadi, you're doing very well. You're almost there. And so I got back to the group and oh, I was like, yes, finally. And then the, the, the pace slowed down a little bit, which was, I mean, I couldn't have asked for, uh, uh, you know, uh, a place in the in the race that I, I would have asked for pace to slow down so I could get my sports drinkers. 
everybody had already thrown away their water, you know, the, the, the containers, the little bottles, but I still had mine. So I kept drinking, I kept drinking, I kept drinking. And, you know, after that, I was like, oh boy, that was painful. I'm not going to let, I'm not, <laughs> I, I'm going to try to stay with the group as long as I can. You know, I knew if I could get to like 21 mile mark, at, you know, at the top of the uh, outbreak hills, then the last five miles, I should be okay. And so that was the second thought in my head was like, don't you dare let these guys go until you're really sure that you've secured the, you know, the podium. Because our goal was to secure the podium no matter what. And, you know, that's what was ringing in my head in every step. I look around, we still like 10 people. I'm like, oh, man. The podium is not quite secure. So I kept just telling myself, just keep going, keep going, keep going. And I see people just falling back. And inside me, I'm like, started to getting excited, but I just wanted to just kind of mm. keep my cool and just keep going there to get ahead of myself too much. So Yeah, how did you like transition that though? Because it sounds like, and you, you know, you obviously struggle with the first 10K every race. So you know that, but it sounds like, you were feeling a little bit hopeless there when you saw your coaches and then you kind of turned it on and caught back up and, and got back with it. So like, what did you tell yourself to make that transition? Like, okay, back to podium mindset. So the nice thing that I've known myself so well that I knew like the first 10 K is usually the worst part of my race. I mean, worse even than the last three miles. There's like, there's like three portion, three segments of in my opinion, in, again, I'm speaking for myself. The first 10k, terrible. I mean, seriously, like the worst. And then I get into the sweet spot, and that's like from 10k to about, you know, 22 mile mark or 23 mile mark. That's usually the sweet spot. I mean, my body's ready to go. And then you have that last three miles that it's like, oh boy, now it's like, okay, you gotta keep going. I'm tired, but I just I just have to keep telling myself to stand tall. And at that time, anyway, everybody's tired. So the more I relax and try to just maintain the pace I'm running at that time, usually things turn out well for me. And so I knew that, okay, six miles is over. Now I should be getting better. And I'm willing to risk a little bit to run fast because mm. I know that, okay, now I'm, I'm in my territory, so to speak. Yeah, and I can't be in no man's land. Yes, oh, that was... Seriously, like if you are in no man's land, those you know, forget about it. You know, it's yeah. like <laughs> Yeah, you could work hard you could work so hard to close the gap, but that is gonna cost you towards the last part of the race. Because all that energy you're using to close the gap, it's gonna hunt you down the last five miles. You have nothing else left. So, so is it being with the pack like up there in the front like that? Is it, I mean, is it the drafting? Is it just that you're working together and you're feeling the pain together? Like, what's so significant? It makes the, you know, you have one thing, you know, you stay relaxed. Second thing, you draft. Third thing, you know, you just, it's easy when you're there psychologically than mm. trying to catch somebody who is 100 meters ahead of you. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a little bit tricky. It's easy to just say, okay, you're right there. If they make a move, you know, and you know, again, in marathon, they can only make a move. Maybe they can run a hard one mile, but then after that, it's going to settle back down. Mm. So it's easy to just, you know, just grind for that one mile. And then, you know, 
maybe not even a mile, honestly. Usually it's like, I don't know, half a mile, uh, maybe, you know, three quarters of a mile, and then it kind of settles down. Um, so it's easy when you're with them, you can go, as, you know, try to hang in there, and, you know, maybe they might grab you for like, what, 10 meters or 20 meters. It's easy that way to close the gap for that 20 meters because they're going to slow down and then you're going to just keep the momentum going and you're going to get back to it again versus just being way back. And, you know, you know, if you by yourself, then just forget about it. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, you need somebody, you know, just to take the pressure off you a little bit. So you're not just like trying to just think about, oh, I got to run uh, 4.50 or five minutes or 5.20 or whatever the pace that is. Uh, by yourself versus just having people running that same pace and you're just gonna you know you're still running that same pace but you 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 know nobody's you know you're not the one dictating that pace you're more like it's easy to relax and tag behind somebody and just let them do do the pacing duties so you it sounds like Galen and Tim Ritchie and a bunch of people were really dropping by like mile 19 so when did you when did you figure out that your little pack was like really dwindling? At about 16 or 17 mile mark, we cross, what is that highway? Um, um, before you, we make a right turn by the fire station. Uh, I think that's like 16 mile mark or 17 mile mark. So okay. by that time, we were, I want to say, seven people. Okay. And and it's a little bit uphill anyway. So mm-hmm. uh, we, you know, at that point, I we we got our fluid station, you know, our water bottles, and I look around and I could see the group getting smaller, and I was like, "Hmm, that's so weird." What's I couldn't believe it because I kept zigzagging to make sure that I was, I wasn't hallucinating or anything like that <laughs> to make sure that I'm looking, you know, what I'm seeing is what it's really happening, and uh, for me, I was like, "Oh my God, I can't believe now we're like four people. This is the time to keep the pace going," and I. Uh, you know, I talked to the Joffrey and I'm like, hey, let's keep this going because I could already see people dropping. So this is the perfect opportunity to keep it going. Let's just keep walking. Um, and I guess he, he misunderstood me and immediately took off right then. And I was like, dude, I didn't mean right like that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I hope he doesn't. You know, I was at the end. I was like, oh, man, I hope he doesn't blame me on that because, uh, you know, he took off and he put about, I don't know, a minute, two minutes. By the time we got to the top of the year, you know, at Break Hill, he was gone. Who was um, this? Geoffrey Curry, the, the, oh, the defending champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and, I mean, for me, I just wanted to keep that pace going because I realized, okay, actually, the, the podium is getting more... I could see it, but I wasn't... Uh-huh. You know, it wasn't for real, so I just wanted to just... Because I was feeling pretty good. So I just wanted to keep going, not to monkey around with slowing down, running and slowing down. So um, thank God it worked out, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Were you guys with Yuki at all at that point? I, I I don't know what his last name is. You're calling him by his last name, but I have I, I always yeah, just say Yuki. Kawauchi, yeah, Yuki yeah. So I was with him. It was so Joffrey had gone, you know, Joffrey Cree had gone. So it was Yuki, me, uh, the guy from Netherlands. And the guy from Ethiopia, um, going towards the last outbreak hill, the last hill, and I was following Yuki. But at that point, I was, you know, it's a long hill, and I made a big mistake to just kind of. I felt like, 
which is again is one of those things we learn through our mistakes. Um, now looking back, I should have just you know stuck with Yuki. So mm-hmm. I kind of peeled off and I wanted to let the other guys tag in, you know. So I I just wanted to look at them to make sure, okay, how are they looking, you know, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, just just to kind of see their condition, and they didn't go. So I was like, God. What have I done? And <laughs> by the time I realized, Yuki already had about 25 meters ahead of us. And so I, I was like, you know, I guess I'm going to have to keep chasing. So I kept chasing Yuki. Um, and I thought, you know, once we get to the top, you know, that last hill, I should be able to to kind of just walk my way to close the gap on him. But it was just, the, you know, the last five miles, the condition got worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And so it reached a point whereby, honestly, at some point, you couldn't even run. The wind was so strong mm. that no matter what you're doing, you're not going anywhere. You're just like staggering everywhere because that's how strong the wind was. And, um, but Yuki, you know, I got to give it to Yuki. That guy is, I mean, that guy is strong, bottom mm. line. I mean, seriously, it's like the condition didn't even, you know, instead of, you know, this is what I say, instead of condition making him tap out, he met the condition top hard instead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so mm-hmm. it's like it's like the condition didn't even phase him at all. You know, you Did... just power through the you know those miserable condition, and I was like, oh my god. How did even... you know him before? Like, did you know he? And did you when at the starting line were you like, ah, oh, he's a contender? I've known the guy. I've met him actually several times in Japan, and I knew the guy. The guy is the guy is legit. When yeah, the conditions yeah. are terrible. That's the guy to watch, especially, mm. you know, especially when it's cold and raining and, 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 you know, wet, you know, he tend to thrive in those conditions. When it's hot, he doesn't do well. But if mm. it's cold, snow, you name it, anything uh, below 40 degrees and wind and rain, that is type of condition that he loves running at. So, oh, he must have been excited about the forecast. <laughs> oh, he, I talked to him. He said, this is what I, you know, oh, granted, he doesn't speak very good English. So yeah. I was using, um, so his agent, Brad Lana, is a good friend of mine. And so I was talking to him about, you know, when we'd be having lunch or breakfast or dinner, I'll be asking him questions and then uh, uh, Brand will, will, you know, translate. And I was asking him, so what do you think about the condition? And he said, man, this is built. I'm built for this stuff. And I was like, oh, my God. Why did, why, you know, part of me was like, why did I even ask that question? It's like, it's like, you know, I was like, oh, boy, now I have to deal with this guy. You know, like, he made me kind of tap out right from the get-go because he was, was so excited about the condition that I was like, <laughs> I was, I was expecting to say, oh, my, it's going to be so terrible. But he was like, no, this is going to be good. And I was like, oh, no. Oh uh, no, you know, type of type of thing. I, you know, it's like, I mean, but it was fun. It's yeah, fun. he's the only person going into this race thinking, "Oh yeah, here we go. Here's the party's about to start." Exactly. I mean, like, look at the way even he dressed up. You know, yeah, you know, we were all bundled up with jackets and long sleeve and this and that. He only had a singlet, a hat, <laughs> uh, glasses on, and just a little uh, sleeve. I mean, you'd be like, "Are you insane? Dude, are, are you cold?" <laughs> So, so he, I mean, he loved those conditions. And so he, that's why the race started and he took off right away. He was like, 
I was like, wait a minute, what is he doing? What's happening? You know, type of he, thing, because he knew what he was capable of doing in those conditions. Yeah, it sounds like he was thinking, I might win the Boston Marathon right from the start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy was like, he knew that everybody was going to be crying and feeling miserable and feeling sorry for themselves. And for me, for him, he was like, this is the time to bring the armor down, you know, from mm-hmm. the get-go. Mm-hmm. And he kind of just went for it. And just he was the one that was very aggressive um, all the way until mile 17 when Jovi took off, honestly. Yeah. So yeah. you you've said that, you know, if the conditions weren't so bad, you think you were in shape to go sub 210. So is that kind of like a goal of yours to break 210? Yes, that is uh, every day I get up in the morning. That's what it's ringing in my head. I got to mm. I got to I got to break that 210. I need to be a 20 something marathoner. I know I have it in me. It's just like but again, knowing and doing is a two different thing. So uh, I just have to, I just have to give myself a chance to really. You know, I know the training is okay. I mean, I'm, I love training. I enjoy training. I'm, you know, my coaches they they get excited when the training starts because they know that I never really cry about nothing in training. I just, I'm always excited. I can't wait to go to the next one, the next workout. You know, so, uh, but I just have to really get the right condition, the right race you know um and just try to do the best i can and you know try to break that 210 barrier hey everybody i want to jump in real quick and thank one of our sponsors for this podcast episode and that is four sigmatic four sigmatic makes drinking mushrooms delicious and easy to do with their wide variety of superfood and super good for you beverages they offer coffees elixirs mushroom hot cacao and mushroom blends I personally love some of the elixirs and the mushroom blends. And what elixirs are, are they're loose, fine powders of organically grown, dual-extracted mushrooms with supporting herbs, spices, and superfood berries. Elixirs are best served with hot water and a splash of nut milk or sweetener of your choice, or they can be added to coffee, tea, or smoothies. Now, the blends combine mushrooms, adaptogens, herbs, and berries, and you add them to hot water, coffee, tea, soups, or smoothies. I personally put them in a morning juice. Glenn and I both drink that. I also love the Lion's Mane Elixir and the Chaga Elixir. You guys head over to foursigmatic.com slash another and use the code another for 15% off your purchase. Check out what they have to offer. Let me know what you think. That's foursigmatic.com slash another and use the code another for 15% off your order. Thank you for Sigmatic for supporting the podcast and thank you listeners for supporting sponsors of this show. Let's continue my conversation with Shadrach. You train, so you train for the Hanson brothers, but like you train solo at home and then you kind of go and train with them for periods of time. So what's that like training by yourself? Do you like training alone? I do. Um, I don't for the first couple months, you know, Usually when I take some time off, like, okay, after Boston, I took some time off. And for about a month, I was really struggling. I was hoping I could just find somebody to run with so I don't have to, to think about it too much. But once my head has dialed in and accept that, okay, it's time to get back to business, then then it's easy from there on. I really enjoy training alone because I, I know that I don't have to rely on somebody to keep the pace honest. I don't have to rely on somebody to show up on time. I don't have to feel like I'm, you know, 
having somebody wait for me. You know what I mean? It's like I take I take all responsibilities and I just I just go and just do what you know what pace I want to run and I just I've been so fortunate that I can do that. Not that many people can say they can do that, but I'm so lucky that I'm somehow I don't even know how I do it to be honest. Sometimes I wonder myself, I'm like, huh? How did I run that that <laughs> fast that you know? But it's one of those things that I've so accustomed to because I've been always training alone and I think it's it's you know it's worked it, it has worked for me. How often do you check in with your coaches? Are you talking to them every day? When we are in training, yeah, we talk, you know. My coaches, they trust me. They know that I'm, you know, I'm going to do the, you know, the, whatever they tell me to train, you know. Uh, so we check in usually a night before the workouts, mm. a, night, a night before the long ones. And, you know, so we talk maybe three times a week. Okay. So, yeah. And, you know, it's it's, you know, it's like, you know, unless you know, unless there's something that I need to ask, I can just call and they can answer. But thank God, you know, I haven't got to that point yet. You know, it's usually like, okay, this is what we're doing. You know, I just, you know, I enter into my brain and just roll with it and just really not even doubt it. I just, I never question it. I just, just. <laughs> is it a lot of text or are you actually like talking on the phone? We talk on the phone. Yeah. So yeah. is the reason that you stay in California, that's just because that's where your family's settled? Like, that's where your kids go to school? That's where your wife works? Is that kind of why? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So tell me what the training paired with the parenting looks like. I mean, because you talk to these professional runners and you guys have to spend a lot of time resting and sleeping so that yeah. you can handle the training. So um, yeah. what does that look like, juggling the parenthood thing? You know, I've been I've been so fortunate. My wife, is she's the best my best friend um, um seriously like she she knows that when especially for marathon when we like i'm running 140 miles a week yeah. um you, you know she knows that oh yeah you know you gotta take you know take your feet off take a little nap and then get up and then go run again in the afternoon so i've been so fortunate that we work as a team and it's been the best you know i, I wouldn't have done it you know um, by myself, that's for sure. Um, and we're fortunate, you know, my kids, they, they're good kids and they know, you know, they go to school. So usually what I do is I run in the morning, maybe come back, have some breakfast and then maybe take a little nap before we, they get home. And so I could have some time to spend with them a little bit and then go for the next, next run. But, um, but my wife have been really the pillar of, 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 um, of my family and my running career, she's been there for me from day one when I was running horrible um, to now that, you know, um, I'm running well. And she's always just remind me that, you know, yeah, my brothers run really well, run really fast. I have the same dad, the same mom, the same, you know, physiological, you mm -hmm. know, with the same. So there's no reason why I should be able to run fast. And so just having my wife reminding me that, um, you know, when things get tough, you know, like, just relax, you'll be fine. Just think about, you know, it, it's been a blessing. That's so great. That's so awesome. Yeah. All right. So we're going to do the end of the podcast questions now. And before I do that, though, I want to ask you what, what is next for you? Have you picked out a fall marathon? I'm still on process on figuring those out. This, um, we working on something. I'm going to try to just, there's something, yes. I'm gonna run a fall marathon, that's for sure. Okay. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna 
I'm gonna try to not let it out of the basket yet. Okay, okay. So I'm gonna guess. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna guess Chicago or New York, but we'll be excited to hear when you finally announce. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's a good guess. Okay, good. <laughs> um, all right. So, what's one thing professionally or personally that you want to do that you haven't done yet? You know, honestly, for me, um, I've always lived my life um, trying to inspire other people. And I think uh, my goal in life is to try to, one thing that, you know, I don't think I've explored enough is to try to, you know, be a coach down the road, you know, just try to, to inspire people to believe in themselves when everybody else says they can't amount to anything. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, a good example is like, you know, when last year when I was running Boston Marathon, um, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, this, you know, they have they have these polls where they rank uh, all the elites that have, you know, been invited. And most people didn't even think I could be top 10. Um, but I, you know, I told myself, oh, thank you very much for saying that. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know what I'm capable of. I'm just going to use that and just go and prove to myself that, yeah, learn that, you know, nobody should ever tell you you can't do anything you should i always tell you refuse to believe in that believe in yourself know that you can do anything if you wanted it as long as you're willing to put the work in and um, nothing can stop you from so that's one thing that i really want to i feel like i still have a long way to go to inspire young people young kids old and young to just bring the best out of themselves regardless of you know background where they came from regardless of you know their race or whatever it is and it doesn't have to be just in running but just even in life in general are you gonna start coaching or have you started coaching so i'm coaching a few people you know kind of advising really um but my passion is to go into coaching so i'm taking some few um clients here and there but you know like that's something i'm so passionate um about you know just just I just want to see um, people be you know just finishing a race and just and just saying wow I can't believe I did that you know uh, and so they're so thankful like you know oh, thank you so much you know because I talk to people in Sacramento I you know where I train I talk you know seriously like I'll go for my easy evening run or easy run and ten miler end up be taking me more than an hour and a half because I stop and talk to everyone on the on the trail. They just, hey, congrats in Boston, you know, and I started talking, you know, we start talking and I tell people, you know, they ask me, what's the secret? I tell them, you know, there's no secret. Secret is just, you know, believing in yourself, just working hard, you know, slowing down and just re making sure that you rest enough before you can go to the next one. And people start doing that and they end up running a race and like, oh, you know what? I took your advice and guess what? I ran up here and I was like, yes. In my head, I'm just like, that is the, the best feeling, you know, that I could have asked for. I love that you're stopping and talking to random people on the trail. That's so fun. You know, I, I look at it this way, you know, they, they inspire me, I inspire them. That's how I look at it, you know, because um, they have been, they're, they're, they are my number one fans. You know, sometimes when it's funny, when I'm doing a walkout on the river trail, I've met so many friends with the cyclists and it's, it's, I'm not even making this stuff up. 
you know, like I'd be running and somebody would be like, hey, there he is, you know, you need some water, you know, because usually well, I run alone and I don't carry water. Uh-huh. So they'll be like, I'm like, please, yes, thanks. And they give me a little water and, you know, I pour in my head and they pace me for like, they're like, oh, man, I got to go, but I'm going to pace you for a mile or two miles. And I'm like so excited and so thankful. Then I'd be running. Then somebody else would show up and same thing. So like, seriously, it has been, you know, I look at it, you know, um, we all win. It's a win-win, you know, in both situations, you know. For them, they, you know, they, they're helping me out. I'm helping them out. You know, we all ask, you know, we are, we are, we are family. That's, that's, we are all human beings. And that's what human being, humanity should be. You know what I mean? That's so cool because, I mean, when they're doing this, are you actually doing like an intense hard workout? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I could picture some people being annoyed or frustrated. Like, I'm trying to focus, but you're just totally embracing it. Yeah. I tell, I tell people life is too short. Yes. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, really? It, it, you know, like I'm that serious that I just, because you know, <laughs> again, I tell, I tell people I'm a big believer that because we don't know what people are going through in their life, mm-hmm. on our daily life. And uh, that just stopping and just talking to them for a minute, you know what I mean, can can mean either life or death or or somebody who was just feeling like, I'm done, this is it, you know, what, what's the point? What You know, just talking to them can just give them hope to live one more day. And for me, that is more important than me running you know, uh, <laughs> whatever the mile, you know, totally. Exactly. So that's so good. That's a really good perspective. Everybody take notes on that theme. What's, what's one message you'd like to send to the world? You know, I want to tell people st- stay through to yourself, whatever that means in your life, whatever you have passionate in, go for it. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Um, People, unfortunately, unfortunately, there's some people who their business is just to to bring people down, and uh, we may not avoid that 100%. Hearing from those people who say, "Oh, you're not gonna amount to anything. Oh man, just quit. Yeah, this and that is." It, you know, I tell people just stay true to yourself. Use that as a as an energy to kind of keep you pushing even harder uh, towards your goals. Um, I mean, I wish I wish the planet was that easy, you know, this world we're living in would be like so easy to just like have everybody, you know, saying, yeah, you can do it, you can do it. But, you know, more for most part, you know, people are willing to cheer people on. But sometimes you find that bad apple and, you know, they just try to just, you know, like, for instance, you are, you know, you're, you're, you're so excited about your workout and then, you know, somebody just tells you, you know, oh, you, you know, just, you know, you know what I mean? Just try to bring you down so i say align yourself with people who have the same energy level as you meaning that <clears throat> people who have the same mindset people who, whose agenda is to move forward uh and not backwards uh, and just st- stick with it i promise if you stick with it and do the very good job every day to give it a hundred or whatever that means and um Tomorrow is a brand new day. Whether you have a, you know, it didn't go well today, you have an opportunity tomorrow to change that. And so if you, if that is your business every day, uh, trust me, you're getting better every day. It might take a little while, but you know, just, just you're getting somewhere. Trust me. 
If you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun, who would it be? You know, you know that's a very good question. I was thinking about this. Um, for me personally, what makes me happy in this world is to inspire that child or that one person that they just they had no more hope. You know what I mean? Like, like they just you know they're working so hard, but it's like they're not getting anywhere. Um, and for me, if I was to really choose one person, is those people who have just almost giving up themselves. Those are the people that I would love to just sit down with them, listen to them, you know, just share with them what I've been through myself um, and just tell them, you know, it's going to be okay. Just to give them just assurance that just just stick with it. Don't, don't, don't give up yet. You know, there's, uh, it's a brand new day tomorrow or that day, you know, just talking to them can just, you know, just make their face light up again. And that's, those are the people that I really, I would really love to just, you know, sit down with them and just talk to them and even, you know, just, 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 just talk again with, you know, fellow human being, uh, with other things, not just running related, but just, just life in general. Because we could all use a little bit of a, you know, just somebody to just listen to us. You know what I mean? Because yeah. unfortunately, we've been, you know, we've been so conditioned to just keep going and go and go and go and go that we don't we forget, you know, what humanity is all about. You know, somebody could be crying for help, but we just, you know, we're listening, but we're not hearing them. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's it's just like a, you know, yeah, I've had that many times, but we don't really. We need to just take a break. Take a deep breath and just learn to listen to just for one second. You know, just give somebody, you know, just one second to just listen to that story. And those are those are those are the people that if I, you know, I I want to visit. I just want to have a cup of tea with them. You know, um, whether it's you know a young kid that doesn't, you know, doesn't know, you know, obviously kids they, they don't know what they want to do in life. But just telling them whatever that is that you think you really want to do. You can do it. Just, just you can do it. No, don't let anybody tell you you can't. That's 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 why I'm in this. Honestly, that's what I believe I'm here for. It's just to to look at people and just tell them, hey, don't let anybody tell you that. Oh, yeah, there's no way. Statistics says you can never do, you can never make it. Look at the statistic. They can even prove to you showing some statistics of you know whatever that is. Um, but I refuse to be, to be a statistic guy, you know, to be like told, oh, statistics says you're not going to be that. So unfortunately, that's what, you know, if you look at the world right now, it's all about statistics. Statistics says this, you know, chances of you doing this is close to, you know, you know what I mean? So I just want to be that guy to just go sit down, you know, listen to them, learn from them as much as they want to learn from me because we all, nobody knows everything. And so listening to, you know, just giving somebody just, you know, a second to listen to them, I promise you, you can learn something from them that, you know, you didn't even expect you would and they will learn something from you. And that's, that's, that's all I, you know, those are the, you know, that is, those are the moments that I would cherish more than having a cup of tea with, let's say, I don't know, um, the president, <laughs> the the mayor, 
the Hollywood superstars, or those, yeah, those are cool, but does that really enrich my humanity? It doesn't. It's cool, but it's like, it's an empty feeling, yeah, so to speak. Yeah. Well, and it's just really people, it's easy to go through life with your blinders on and just go through your daily routine without opening up that opportunity. And I think you spoke on that well when you talked about just doing your workouts. Like you're opening those doors even when you're running a five-minute mile. Yes. It's honestly, it's like we've been so unfortunate. The society has been set upside that we just go and go, you know, it's all just go, 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 that we forget really what, what, why we started doing what we're doing. You know what I mean? As a kid, look at it as a child. Children love to go and play and run. You know, I always tell people, if I want to be a child again. I just want to have that, you know, just go and run and just have fun. You know, we play, you know, just want to talk, you know, that, that's, that's really the pillar of my running career. It's like, I don't, I don't take it too serious, you know. Obviously, don't get me wrong. I take it serious, but not like, oh, I can't stop. I can't listen. I can't, you know. No, 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 no. Not that way. That's good. What uh, What's the best, most recent book you've read? You know, actually, it's funny. I was reading a book by Adrian Finney. He's, uh, he writes about uh, training with the Kenyans. And uh, the book I'm reading now is called um, it's called the, um, the Way of the Runner. A journey into the uh, farball world of Japanese running, and I'm just so interested about this book. It's like you can look at the Japanese history, and um, as far as running is concerned, they're so good at marathon. And I'm trying to learn, you know, why is that? You see a lot of people running sub 210. You have like I don't know how many people run sub 210 all the time in Japan, but here in the West, we only have in America, for instance, we only have get on rock. Um, so I try, I want to learn why is that and how, you know, what's the secret behind it, you know, kind of thing. So uh, it's it's fascinating to just learn from the Japanese training system because they, they run slow. They slow down. They mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. everything is, you know, you slow down and you run longer, you know, which is so fun for me because it's something that I already knew about it, but just reading through and, you know, <laughs> um, looking at it from, from this guy's perspective is great. That's so cool. Constantly yeah. learning. Lifelong learner here. Hey, I tell people, we all, every day is a brand new day. We can learn new things every single day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're, I'm going to keep you on and we're going to do a couple bonus questions for my Patreon supporters. But um, for everybody else, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. And uh, congratulations again on the third place in Boston. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thank you, Shadrach, for coming on the show and sharing your journey with us. We are so proud of you and so happy for you. You guys can follow Shadrach. He's on Twitter, Skip, T-O-O-B. He's also on Instagram as that, but I don't see any posts over there. You guys can find me on Instagram, LindsayHine626. You can find me on Twitter, at LindsayHine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. We also have a group over there, and I'd love to have you join us. Links to all of that will be in my show notes, lindsayhine.com. Thank you, Four Sigmatic, for supporting this episode of the podcast. Head over to foursigmatic.com slash another and use the code another for a 15% discount off your purchase. 
Thanks so much for listening today, guys. Have a wonderful Friday. Have a great weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.